Hey everyone, happy Monday once again. Hope everyone is all ready for Christmas. Welcome to episode number 27 of Outside the Shoot. I'm your host, Randy Frame. We're going to take a little break over the Christmas holidays on, on the OTC Player of the Week, but uh, don't worry, we'll be right back on it in the new year. If uh, you or someone you know had an outstanding week in the game, make sure to let our Twitter account know, and you could be our next winner. Before we get on to our guest, though, I personally want to wish every one of our listeners out there a Merry Christmas. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in each week. Chris and I definitely appreciate it. It's probably going to be somewhat of a different Christmas this year for a lot of people with, with restriction in place, not only here in Nova Scotia, but, you know, in other places around the globe. Uh, that being said, let's make sure we do our part, follow all the guidelines so that, you know, next Christmas, everything is back to normal. And we can spend it with all of our loved ones. Now on to our guest and outside the shoot sits down and chats with an 11 year old girl you may not have heard about yet, but trust me, you soon will. Abigail Talton is from Ontario and pitches for the Waterloo Ghosts and the Central Florida Stars and is already being talked about by some of the biggest names in softball. Abby threw two no-hitters while winning the Ontario Provincial Championship and in her last season had 277 strikeouts in 100 innings and gave up just five runs total. That's amazing. She's won numerous tournament MVPs and she was selected to pitch in the U-Triple-S-A All-American Games in Florida. I talked to Abby about how she got her start in the game some of the famous softball players she gets to call friends, the importance of women's sports, and we even have a special guest appearance by Amanda Scarborough of ESPN. Abby's knowledge of the men's and women's game is truly remarkable. I didn't expect to be talking about the pros and cons of various rise ball grips with an 11-year-old. She even does an analysis of my delivery, which I'm sure everyone's going to love hearing about that one. <laughs> I really think this is a, a great podcast for you to listen to with, with your kids. And if you're like me, you will forget that you're listening to an 11-year-old when you hear Abby's answers. So as usual, grab that drink, sit back, relax, because here we go. I got the world in my palm. Lights, camera, action, it's on. I can't describe what I'm feeling. Ain't never felt this freedom. I got the world in my palm. Lights, camera, action, it's on. Ain't never felt this freedom. Could you, could you say that? Here we go. Abby, thanks for coming on the podcast. How are things going? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. I'm a bit nervous, though. You've oh. interviewed some of my idols, Todd Martin, Kaylee Raptor, Victoria Hayward. So I hope I do okay for you. Oh. How are you, Randy? I'm doing good. Thanks, Abby. I, I, I think you'll, you'll do just fine. Uh, so I imagine you had a much different summer than, than usual as far as, as ball goes. How, how exactly did it go for you? Yeah, it was totally different. My Waterloo season was pretty much canceled. And we're not allowed to cross the border, so I can't pitch my Florida team. Right. So I'm spending a lot of time pitching in the yard with my dad, or I guess now at the peak hit house because the snow started. But I can't wait to get back out there. Yeah, I saw you pitching in the snow, though. <laughs> uh, yeah. I saw that video of it, and I couldn't believe what you had on your feet. Weren't your feet cold? Oh, they were freezing. <laughs> and your dad? Was he cold? Was he cold? I don't know. I hope I hope he wasn't. <laughs> All right. So tell us about getting your start in the game. How old were you and, and what made you want to play? I started playing T-ball when I was three. 
and pitching when I was five. Okay. Um, well, my dad played softball until he was 15, and he switched to baseball because he wanted to get a scholarship in the States. Okay. My papa played fastball until he was in his 70s. Oh, wow. So I think I kind of, yeah, I know, long time. <laughs> so I kind of wanted to do something that they did. Okay. Um, uh-huh. Can you tell us a, a story or two that your papa shared? Oh, uh, yeah. My papa, Alan, told me that Todd's dad was his shortstop. And at the start of every game, Pop Allen would give a shiny to- new ball to Mr. Martin to rub up. Um, Mr. Martin had these big hands like sandpaper. And by the time my papa got the ball back, the ball looked like it was like five years old. Oh, that's, yeah. That's awesome. And, <laughs> my papa also used to play on the same team as Bill Underwood, Brad's dad. Okay. In the late 1950s and 1960s, yeah. So my papa said when Mr. Underwood wanted to warm up, nobody could ever find their glove. And he was the first guy he saw who threw so hard. Mm. And he could like tell you what was coming and it wouldn't matter because it was so hard. Wow. So what is it about pitching that you love so much? Um, well, the first time I pitched in a game, I was seven and a mini mite. We played an older team in Milton. The girls were like nine and ten. Uh, apparently I did good. But I thought I did terrible. <laughs> I think I cried like the whole way home. But when I woke up the next morning, I got up and I wanted to practice and pitch again. And that's you no know, when I knew I wanted to pitch. Oh, well, that's good then. So how hard are you throwing right now? Uh, well, I haven't had the pocket radar on me because I've been working on my movement pitches. Mm-hmm. But I would guess mid-50s for my fastball, low-50s for my curveball, high 40s for my rise and my change is about 40. Okay. So what's yeah, your, what's your best I, pitch? Um, well, my favorite pitch is my curve and it's probably my best pitch. I throw it spiked with my index finger and it's just always there. The spin's really tight and I can pretty much locate it where I want it and I can throw it really hard. No, that's always, when you can locate it, that's the best thing for a pitcher. I wish I had, yeah. I wish I had a lot of control, but I kind of get in trouble some nights. <laughs> so um, I heard you love talking pitching. Uh, so I'd like to pick your brain and see what you think is important for pitchers to know. Yeah, I love to talk about pitching and I love to study pitching. I know people love seeing big numbers in the pocket radar and, and so do I. But I really think the best thing to do is to hit my spots. Mm-hmm. I don't think it matters how hard you throw if you're missing your spots. I watch a lot of playoff baseball with my dad to see what they throw in different situations. And I think a role this Chapman is the hardest throwing in baseball. And the last two New York Yankee seasons ended because he missed his spot. That's right. Yeah. And I bet if you asked Mr. Folkard, he would tell you that it doesn't matter how hard you throw. At some point, somebody will catch up to you. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. A lot of people on Twitter have like compared me to Darren Zach. And sometimes I even get called Little Zach. Which is really, really, really cool. Um, and I've studied some videos online when Zach was the best pitcher in the world. Mm-hmm. And he threw very hard. But his location and changing speeds is what made him the best. That's right. Yeah, Darren, yeah. Was, Darren was amazing. And that, well, Adam still pretty much is. Like, those are, those are two, two big names. And for you to be able to watch, look at their video and stuff, that, that's, uh, that's great. Now... I sent you a video a few days ago asking you to critique my form. Do you have any comments or see things I should work on or do I want to know this? (laughs) 
Uh, yes, I got the video. It was very good. Um, there were two pages in the video I saw. One looked like a low rise, mm-hmm. and one looked like a two-seam drop outside. Yep. I think you didn't mean to put the rise there. You probably wanted it a bit higher. Yep. So I did think the drop on the next pitch was a really good call because if I was the batter, I would expect you to throw the rise again, but make it higher. Right. So then I would chase it. So halfway there, your second pitch is where the high rise would be, but then it dipped. So by the time the batter realizes, his swing looks like he's just trying to foul it. Mm -hmm. As far as your form, you probably have the most side-to-side arm I've seen on your way up. Okay. The ball, yeah, on your way up, the ball is really far from your body, closer to third base. But then at 12 o'clock, it's way behind you like my papa. So if I was coaching you and you were my age, I would just try to simplify the side-to-side ball on the way up with the drill I do in my mirror. It's like a full height mirror, and it has masking tape. So you just go and, like, try to make sure your arm is as straight as possible, and then you can, like, correct all the things because you can see them. Oh, wow. I wish I had had that back back when I was your age. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I do know you could throw harder. I'm not saying you don't throw hard. You throw extremely hard, but I know you can throw harder. Oh, wow. I, I would love have, I would love to throw a hole uh, harder at, at 40, 42 years of age. <laughs> <laughs> you have a good push off and you have lots of good power going forward. I kind of want you to put all that power into the ball because okay. when you watch, you have a lot of momentum coming forward mm-hmm. when you after release the ball. So I like would want you to make sure that you get all the power into the ball. So like being firmer on your front leg and trying not to snap your hip forward. Mm-hmm. So it never totally faces the catcher and that might help getting all the power into the ball. Okay. That's, that's, yeah. that's good to know. I'm, <laughs> I, you know, what's going to be funny though, is that guys on my team are going to hear you, uh, your podcast and they're going to be saying next year when I'm pitching, they're going to say, you got to listen to Abby's advice. <laughs> 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 so, so what pitches are you working on now? Um, pretty much everything. I love trying new pitches and seeing what works and what doesn't. And I love to try and figure out why it doesn't work. Because, well, a lot of people say you should learn two or three pitches and get super good with them. But I want to be super good at all of them. My pop, Alan, he throws a lot of junk. And he and my dad have shown me how to throw everything. So I love trying all the things they teach me. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. I do understand it's better to have two or three really good pitches than five. They're just okay. Mm-hmm. But somebody told me that anytime you're practicing your fourth and fifth best pitch, you're taking away from making the other three good. But my answer to that is just I'll just practice longer because my goal is to have all of them well so I can throw them whenever I want, wherever I want. Yeah, that's great. That's that's a good way to look at it, actually. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you have any other hobbies that, that you like to do? Um, well, I enjoy skateboarding, golf, and I also love singing and dancing. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I am. I auditioned for Alice Wonderland this year and I got the part of this singing and dancing Daisy. Okay. A lot of my teammates, they play hockey and basketball, but I love being on stage and it reminds me a lot of pitching. Oh, that's interesting. How, how do you think being on stage like is like pitching? Well, you have your own individual part that you practice. And so does everyone else. So when you put all those pieces together, you have a team, or I guess for a play, a cast, 
Mm-hmm. If I'm at home working on drop balls or dirtying up my changeup, to me, it's the same as learning my lines for a play. And at the same time, my catchers, Taylor and Aubrey, are at their house working on blocks and balls in the dirt. Oh, well, that's, yeah, that's pretty cool then. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, you think things through here. Like, I like that. Um, so tell us about uh, some of the teams that you've played on over the last few years. Are there any memories that stick out for you? Uh, I play for the Waralugos 09 Squirt Goal team and the Central Florida Stars 12U. Mm-hmm. Winning the provincial championship and throwing two no-hitters at the provincial championship are two really fun highlights. I was presented an award for my two no-hitters and the provincial championship by Mike Crawford. Oh, wow. Okay. He used to, yeah, he used to pitch for Team Canada. And Mike told me that when he was 10, he wanted to pitch like my papa. And when my dad was 10, he wanted to pitch like Mike. But all three of them said they wish they pitched like me. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of hard to believe because I'm like, but well, you're Mike Crawford. Why would you want to pitch like me? <laughs> well, you, you, you got something special there, Abby. So you, you mentioned about Florida. Uh, so getting to play for the team in Florida and getting to travel at, you know, at a young age must be pretty cool. How, how did playing for the team in Florida come about? Um, well, the Under Armour softball factory posted a video of me when I was like nine. And my dad's friend, Bob McKenzie, retweeted it. Oh. It got like 100,000 views in a day. So the Florida coach saw me online and he found me and he asked me to come pitch for him. So last January, my dad and Papa and I went to Florida for a week. I basically got off the airplane and went to their practice facility and threw a bullpen session. And then the team took turns batting against me. I practiced with them for two days, played a few games, and got to pitch a few innings. And it was so much fun. I imagine. I'm, yeah, it was. I imagine, well, <laughs> I just said your line. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I'm, well how, I wanted to ask, how did the Florida girls do against you in the cage? Um, well, I was really on that day. Everything was working. I was throwing super hard, and I was really well-rested. So there weren't a lot of hits, but they are really good hitters and really good players and really great teammates. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so it was really fun throwing against them, but, like, they welcomed me with – such a great environment and everything and it felt like i played together with them for years right and next time i fly down they want me to bring them snow but my dad (laughs) says he's not buying a plane ticket for a cooler full of snow (laughs) (laughs) no i imagine not how how did uh how did your papa like going to going to florida oh he loved it because we normally go to florida yearly with my nana and papa right and he loves watching me pitch. So it was so much fun having him there because we're like, we can't just not bring him. Yeah. Geez, yeah. That, he, that'd be pretty cool for, for him to be able to, you know, fly to Florida and, and get, to, get to watch you pitch. Uh-huh. It was so much fun. So, Abby, who are some of the coaches who have helped you along the way so far? Well, my first travel well coach when I was eight was Coach Bob. And he made sure I know how important it was to do my homework. All the work I do on my pitching, my fielding, and my hitting is homework. My current coach is Coach Don, and he's been so helpful to me. He's really good at making our teams work well and teaching me everything other than pitching. I owe a lot to Coach Don because he believed that I was more than just a pitcher. And we got some new players this year, and it feels like we've always played together, whether we're on the field or we're at a local food bank. We're like sisters. Also, Coach Dave in Florida 
he gave me such a cool opportunity and I can't wait to get back and throw for him. And I want to be on the mound for his team in the final innings of some big games. And I want to compete with them. I also love to get to play for Coach Don in Canada and Coach Dave in Florida. And I'm really lucky that I have two coaches in two countries that want me on their team. And I just always want to make them happy. I hope someday I can explain to both of them how much them believing in me means to me. And I'm also so lucky that I get to talk to the best pitching coaches and ask them questions and get tips. My dad has a lot of friends who are pitching coaches, and they all ask each other questions. Like Coach Megan Bracebridge, who talks to my dad all the time, and Coach Winship sent my dad a message last week saying he thought I was dipping my head a bit, and I totally was. I used to go to New York and work with Coach Mike, but with the border closed, we have to do it online. Coach Mike is great, and he doesn't like to change too much of your pitch. He likes to just fix a small thing. He teaches a cupped rise, and you basically pull your thumb off the ball, and you cup it. And the spin rates are insanely high. And if you watch Lacey Waldrop from Florida State or Chelsea Wilkinson from Georgia, you'll see the cup rise. But um, I can't really throw it because I have really small hands. Right. So mm-hmm. as soon as he saw my rise, he was like, oh, no, you don't have to change it. It's good. <laughs> so he didn't want me to change about it. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It's, it's good that uh, I'm sure all these coaches love hearing that you, you, uh, you look up to them like a lot. That's great. Uh-huh. I also was like talking rise balls with Nairi White um, in Texas last week. And she's Michael White's daughter. Oh, wow. And she's been really, yeah, she's been really helpful with Kit. And also Coach Pauly in Virginia. We were discussing my spine angle at toe touch last week. And he gave me a really good, simple tip that made a huge difference. He told me I was getting a bit forward with all my landing. So if I kept my glove up a bit, it would keep my front shoulder a bit higher, which would keep my spine tilted backwards. And it's really helped. So I'm just so lucky that I have all these cool coaches who take time out of their day to give me tips. And I hope someday I can repay them. For sure. That's awesome. I I wish I had that many coaches growing up to help me with my pitching. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now I know you have a special relationship with some big names in the women's game, such as uh, Kelly Barnhill and Amanda Scarborough. Um, first, tell us about Kelly and what kind of influence she has on you. So much. Kelly is one of the biggest stars in softball, and I'm so lucky she's my friend. Anything I ever feel or think when I'm pitching, she's already felt, and I can ask her about it. I'm so lucky I can ask her anything because she helps me so much with everything. We think of each other like sisters, kind of, in a weird way. It's mm. kind of like I'm talking to an older me. Oh, wow. That's that's pretty cool. So, like, last year at the Women's College World Series on ESPN, Kelly was asked a question about you at her final press conference. How did that make you feel? I was super shocked when a reporter said my name, <laughs> and then Kelly talked about me. <laughs> I had just woken up, and then, like, my dad showed me the video, and I was jumping out of my bed. I imagine. Screaming. I know. I just wanted to hug her so much, but like her love and support and because she even leaves me makes me want to get better so much. Absolutely. And yeah. And softball America wrote a really cool story about us after that. And it still kind of feels like it was like a total dream. That's awesome. So what's the best advice she's given you? Probably not to throw my eyes ball like my dad. She has helped me with the mental side of the game and with my rise ball. The Florida Gators have a thing called height number. Kelly's height number is a four and Amanda Lorenz's is like a 12. 
Okay. Mine's definitely higher than a four, but not near Amanda's. So anytime I'm pitching and I get too hyped, I can look down and I see Kelly's name on my glove. And I try to take a deep breath and like try to calm myself down. Okay. So what exactly is the hype rating? Is it like when you said uh, the 12, does that mean like the, if they're the more hype they are, the better they perform? Uh, no. Um, hype number is more how excited or how like bouncy you get. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. So like, of course, everyone's excited once they win a game. But like when something happens, you want to stay calm. Mm-hmm. So like Kelly is very calm. I'm not saying Amanda Lorenz isn't calm, but in her game, she gets really hyped. Right. While Kelly tries to keep the hype preserved. Okay. I got you then. Yeah. She has helped me a lot with my rise ball swing as well. She has like the best 12 six rise ball I have ever seen. So it's really cool to like stand beside her working on it. Right. Uh-huh. So when you say 12 six is you're going by the hands on the clock, correct? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I, like I go for, by hands on the clock a lot. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I'll just, I just say for the, for the, any of our listeners that, that hear that, because you know, I, when I read that uh, article that the beautiful beast of softball did on you and you were talking about that and, and I was like 12, six and I was trying to get through and I was like, Oh, the hands on the clock, the spin, I got her now. So I, I found it amazing that you were talking about the, the, the spin. So, so and yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the, the spin. Well, um, Kelly, a 12, six spin, basically on the perfect 12, six spin, the ball is spinning kind of like a drop ball spin straight up and down, but it's spinning backwards. Okay. So 12, six means it's like a perfect line where the dots are. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of confusing. I know, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I get it. Cause I'm a pitcher, but at first I was kind of like, Oh, okay. I got her now. But, uh, I mean, some of the, some of our listeners might not, might not get it at first, but to have that uh, clarification makes it better. <laughs> <laughs> now tell us about Amanda. I understand that, uh, you do online pitching trainer with, with her and, and you get feedback from her. How's that been for you? Well, Amanda's not just my, my pitching coach. She is a friend of mine, and she's literally my pitching angel, hence pitching angel, her coaching thing. I feel like anytime I'm out there with her, she's sitting on my shoulder telling me what to do and telling me what I need to hear. I know it sounds kind of weird, but she's like a little pitching angel to me. Okay. Well, I had the pleasure of interviewing Amanda for the podcast, and uh, I'd like for you to listen to see what she says about you. All right. Amanda Scarborough is an American sports broadcaster for ESPN and former softball player. Playing college softball at Texas A&M, Scarborough was a two-time NFCA All-American and the 2005 Big 12 Conference Player of the Year. Amanda, thanks for taking the time to do this and welcome to Outside the Shoot. Thanks, Randy. It's great to be with you. I'm just thrilled Outside the Shoot is profiling an 11-year-old girl. So about that 11-year-old girl, how did you and Abigail meet? I think it was a few years ago. Abby was eight, I believe. We met at the Florida, Florida State game in Tallahassee. I was calling the game for ESPN and they were down to visit Kelly Barnhill. You know, and (laughs) a thing about Abby, it's clear right away that this wasn't just any eight-year-old girl. (laughs) Yeah, I imagine. Actually, that's a great segue. So given that you could see something special with her, what makes Abby special? on and off the mound or in another circle, I should say. Off the mound, Abigail is 
a light of joy to anyone who has had the opportunity to meet her. You're instantly captivated by her smile and she just kind of seems to float around the softball world or wherever she's at, Twitter, her backyard, a college game. And as someone who has coached Abigail, I can really attest that she definitely has the it factor. And at such a young age, the it factor has to include the desire to get better with a patience to learn and be coachable. Sometimes, you know, the desire to be your best clouds the patience to understand the process and restricts being coachable. But you have to love it. Like whatever it is that you're doing, you have to love it. And that includes the will to work hard consistently. I think that's the key at your craft and keeping your dreams at the forefront of your mind. That is exactly who Abigail is in a nutshell, combine all together. Now on the mound or in the circle, what's behind that smile is just an overflowing passion and drive to be the best pitcher that she can be. There is like a switch that flips whenever you watch her pitch and there's that inner fire with passion that just (laughs) guides her. I mean, you can just tell. And I mean, from a straight pitching perspective, first and foremost, she throws hard. As far as 2009s go, her velocity is elite. And while I'm not saying that, you know, velocity and speed is everything, it's something. And speed definitely can hide a lot of mistakes. But when we talk mistakes, this is what makes her different. Her location is really, really good. And she works tirelessly at her movement pitches. You know, I hear from girls and parents all the time who tell me their daughters throw seven different pitches. And usually, honestly, it's the same pitch in seven seven different locations. But Abby's understanding of spin is really special. And she throws five different pitches with five distinct spins, which is unusual. She'll send me different grips and how it affects the spins and things that she is experimenting with. Last week, she actually sent me a video of her and her dad working on the rise, which of course is the best pitch to throw in softball. And the first was a spiked rise that like most men throw and some women as well, but more men. Uh, And actually one of the women who throws is Monica Abbott, one of the best pitchers in the world. And it was spinning at about a 10-4 and had a little break up in a way. Uh, And it was about one to two miles an hour off of her fastball. But the second one, she made an adjustment and it was the elusive 12 to six backspin floaty rise. That's about six miles an hour off of your fastball, like the one that Kelly Barnhill and only really a few handful of other pitchers throw. And as a pitching coach, seeing the rise thrown with the curve at the end is common. And mind you, not from an 11 year old. But seeing the second one spinning at 12.6 is like seeing a unicorn. And then it kind of sinks in. Wait, she just turned 11. Yeah, that's crazy. What do you think is uh, her ceiling or potential? (laughs) If Abigail continues to put in the hard work and dedication, she's already shown and learned to put in at this young age. Remember, she's only 11. The sky is the limit for her. I mean, she told me that her goal is to be able to throw any pitch and any count to any location. So think about this, Randy. Imagine being on the mound. You have five different pitches that are a plus on a scattering report and you can put them where you want. 
when you want with elite velocity. That's where she's headed. And that's what she wants. She sees herself being that pitcher. And I have no doubt she will be playing at a big school down here in seven to eight years. And I can't wait to follow her career and see where this journey takes her and hopefully get to call a few of her games too. How fun would that be? Yeah, that would be amazing. Now, Abby's one of your students, and I understand that when you're not calling games on ESPN, you're working with pitchers around the world and now have started coaching coaches. Um, Can you explain how it works and how interested coaches can work with you? Yeah, so definitely a passion of mine is being able to impact as many pitchers as I possibly can, not just in the United States, but all over the world. And so I've created, and you know, I had extra time during COVID because of quarantine. Um, I've created online courses that focus on foundation and accuracy and velocity and all build on each other. So three courses for pitchers. And then also I have a coach course that is dedicated to working with adults and teaching them about pitchers to help teach them mechanics and help them create a common language with pitchers. Um, So if you're interested, uh, go to pitching-angel.com and you can find more information about my courses and the ability to work with me. No matter where you're at in this entire world, um, you're able to watch videos, go through planned workouts that I've put together for you and give you the progression that you need in order to take your pitching to the next level or to take your coaching to the next level and just grow you to become the best that you can be. Wow, that's awesome. Listen, Amanda, I really appreciate you taking the time for this interview. And I think I speak for all of our listeners that we all look forward to hearing you calling live games once again. Thanks, Randy. I really appreciate all that you do bringing attention to the women's game. And yeah, I cannot wait to get back into the booth. How does it feel to hear Amanda say all those great things about you? Wow. I really don't know what to say. It's so nice to have heard to say that. Amanda has played such a big role for me, and I love the ideas of her calling my games. That would be so cool. Except I probably asked for her advice while she was broadcasting. <laughs> so do you feel any pressure at all by hearing people say that you have the it factor? I guess so. I don't really know what the it factor is. I think it's pretty hard to describe because it's not like saying, hey, that's the girl who throws 65. Because that's easy to describe. Mm -hmm. But the it factor is kind of hard for me. But I've heard it about me, I guess. And I should say it's something Kelly has really helped me with. Kelly was always the kid from Georgia who grunted, who threw really hard. And people were always talking about her. And I've heard it a few times at tournaments. Girls are walking by saying that's her or there she is. Oh, wow. That that would make me feel pretty good, though. (laughs) (laughs) CTV did a story on me and my team last year. And they talked about Kelly and I. And when we played against a team called Cambridge, that's when they were doing the interview. And um, a girl who we were playing against asked me for my autograph after the game. Um, I was shocked because I didn't really know what to do. And I felt really bad because I just wrote my name because it was my first ever autograph. Right. Well, that must have made you feel pretty cool, though. Yeah, it did. But I felt really bad because I just put Abby. I didn't even put three or anything. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure you'll get used to it. (laughs) So uh, part of the it factor for me is the ability to get noticed to stand out. A few weeks ago, Sarah Fuller became the first woman to play football in a Power 5 NCAA football game. And I couldn't help but notice that on Sarah's page, she tweeted out a picture of you. How did that make you feel? really good. My mom and my dad were watching and waiting for Sarah to come up to the game. 
Um, and when she finally got in, I stood in front of the TV holding my football. My dad took a picture of me because I was basically blocking his view of the game. <laughs> and the pic actually turned out awesome. So it was pretty cool to see how many people used it, including I play like a girl. And then to have Sarah tweet out was unbelievable. Yeah, that was that, it was a really good picture and it, it did kind of go viral. So <laughs> what uh, what do you think that this means for women's sports? I think that Sarah proved that all she needed was a chance and that she could do just fine. People were like, she can't even kick or she's going to get run over. And then a video was posted of her basically kicking a soccer ball the length of a field. And then you saw her on the sideline. She's like 6'2 and 200 pounds. And she's probably bigger than most of the kickers. So I think she'll be fine. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, but I couldn't believe all the mean things people were saying in the online. And like some even about me, like because I'm an 11 year old girl, I can't be a fan. I think the mean reactions on Twitter just prove how much work there is to do because I was a football fan before Sarah Fuller, but I became a Sarah Fuller fan that day. Right. Well, I think you got to, that's going to be one thing that you'll have to, uh, to realize that all the, all the mean things on, on social media, I'm sure that uh, you'll be able to block them out though. (laughs) Yeah, I hope so. Are, Are there organizations like I play like a girl in Canada? Well, um, I know one, and it's in actually the University of Guelph. They started She's Got Game a few years ago, and it raises money for the Guelph Griffins female athletics program. Okay. Kathy Campbell-Pascal, who played hockey for Team Canada and has won two gold medals, she went to Guelph, and she's involved in it. I think it's a really great program because the money they raise helps young women participate in their sport, and they become role models for young girls like me. And just seeing people like Cassie doing this is really inspiring for me, not only because she's giving back to help girls like me, but she is one on like the biggest stage. And her job is talking hockey on TV, which is something that only should be done by men. There's also one that um, Coach Scott from Softball Canada is involved with, which is called You Can Play. And it works on building a safer environment for LGBTQ. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's great then. That's great. They're both really great organizations in Canada, and I really hope I can be involved with one when I'm older. Absolutely. That'd be great. So so when we're talking men's and women's sports, uh, what are the main differences that you see in men's and women's softball? Well, since I'm a pitcher, I certainly see the pitching. And most people always talk about the difference between hop and no hop. But I see a huge difference in our arms and legs. Because when women push off, the best pitchers will leave the rubber when they're pitching arm is at three o'clock and when you watch mr full card his arm basically stops at three o'clock and he's leaping through the air i don't think you'll ever see girls stopping their arm at three o'clock we usually take back things to get as much momentum as possible and we never let slow down but because he gets a second push when he lands he actually has to lay his arm at three to keep his timing wow i never even thought of that before (laughs) (laughs) you're so smart Oh, thank you. So I'm going to ask you about uh, throwing out the first pitch at a Daytona Tortugas game at Jackie Robinson Memorial Stadium in Florida. And it was on Jackie Robinson Day, no less. Uh, That must have been pretty cool for you. Yeah, I did a book report on Jackie Robinson. I think everyone knows he was the first black man to play in the major leagues. But he was also the first black person to play in the minor leagues. And that was in Canada. So I'm very proud that it happened in my country first in Montreal. 
So last year I, I was asked to throw out the first pitch at the Daytona Tortugas game, yeah. home opener, and it was such an honor. I thought it was really neat how at Jackie Robinson Memorial Stadium on Jackie Robinson Memorial Day, which celebrates breaking down barriers and making sure everyone is included, me, a white girl from Canada, was asked to throw out a softball for the first pitch. Wow. Or a baseball game in America. I was really honored. Were you nervous? A tiny bit because, well, I had never pitched from like that far before. Right. Yeah. But it was really fun. I imagine. So you also got to get your picture taken with the entire Chicago Bandits team. How did that all happen? And maybe tell me some uh, fun things from that night. Um, well, it was actually an entire long weekend. Because when Kelly graduated from Florida and was drafted by Chicago, we both told my parents that our summer vacation was going to Chicago. Oh, so, nice. yeah, I got to practice with them, throw bullpens, take batting practice off Kelly, and shag batting practice. And now, and, and throw out the first pitch of their game against the USA Pride. And also, Coach Glasgow, who is a friend of my dad's, is head coach at University of Louisiana and coached the USA Pride let me throw a bullpen session with the entire team and wow. it was so cool and it was really fun because like i had them all watching me in the bullpen um but yeah they were all so nice both the teams were so great that's awesome now did they when you were throwing your bullpen were they giving you any pointers or anything um well they also i did really well so i didn't get too many like corrections or anything right they were also all hitting as well okay but it was really cool yeah yeah, that would that'd be amazing, actually. Um, uh-huh. So now I, I need to ask you about the uh, the trick shot for Snowy Challenge that Bob McKenzie sent to you on Twitter, and you proceeded to throw a heater right between your dad's legs. Uh, you said it, you got it on your second attempt. What happened during the first? Well, Bob wanted a trick shot for Snowy to raise money for ALS, but he said he didn't know any trick shots. So he asked me to do a trick shot on his behalf. He wanted 50 miles per hour between my dad's legs. So my dad stood on two paint cans with the ball on a tee between his legs. (laughs) The first pitch was a bit high. Now I want to make this clear. If my dad hadn't moved or flinched, I really don't think it would have hit him. But he moved, and the first one was a direct hit. I felt really bad because I laughed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no wonder. (laughs) (laughs) Who wouldn't? Exactly. I, I actually saw the video on YouTube, the outtake, and... I, I felt oh. your, I felt your dad's pain. <laughs> oh my. It was it was sad. He was like falling down and everything. I can't believe he got in for the second attempt. That, that Oh, I, I couldn't believe it either. That's fatherly love right there. When he told me that he wanted me to do a trick shot for Snowy on like two paint cans, I'm just like, Dad, have you lost your mind? <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh so what are some of your short-term goals in the next couple of years? Um, well, I want to work as hard outside the circle as I do inside the circle. So I really want to be good at helping my team in every way possible. We have two really great pitchers, so I will get lots of time to play other positions as well. If you meant pitching goals, I would like to be walking through 60 miles per hour before I turn 12 and to keep working on my rise balls then. Okay, that's pretty good. Uh, what, what are your ultimate long-term goals? I would like to play softball for as long as I can and then teach it. My ultimate goal is to play for Canada in the Olympics. Kaylee Rafter, who you interviewed, is the catcher for our Olympic team. 
and she played at Florida State. So whenever we talk to each other, I try to remember every word she says because I would like to follow in her path. And her parents live really close to me, so I look forward to throwing with her over Christmas. Oh, wow. Yeah, Kaylee was a great interview. She's like, it was amazing how much she knows about the game. So if you get to throw to Kaylee, like, you'll definitely have a, a great teacher there there to throw to. Yeah, I listened to the interview. It was so great. Yeah. Now, do you have any uh, favorite schools in mind? Maybe like uh, like Florida with Kaylee? Um, well, yeah, I would love to go to Florida State. Um, some of my top schools are Florida, Florida State, and Notre Dame, because I've been to all three, and they're all amazing in academics, softball, and the fields are beautiful. So I would love to spend four or five years at one of those schools, because I love school, and I love softball. So being able to play both at the same time would be perfect. That would be amazing, actually. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it, it will probably happen for you. Um, <laughs> now, I hear your Papa Allen was quite a thrower back in the day. Uh, has he given you a lot of advice? Um, yeah, he is known as the drunk thrower in Muskoka. <laughs> if you talk to, yeah, he's even on like this kind of hall of fame in Muskoka. Wow. And if you talk to anyone who hit against him, they will tell you he could make the ball do some crazy things. And I bet if you ask Todd Martin, who are his favorite pitchers to watch, my papa might be on that list because mainly because of his knuckleball. Oh, wow. That's cool. And I haven't really tried the knuckleball yet because my hand is so small. But to see the ball not spinning and just dancing around is crazy. But he helped me think about batters a lot. He has such a good mental side of the game. He helps me study them and see what their reaction to my pitches are because they can teach you something from each pitch. Okay. Like if somebody's up and I throw a changeup and they foul it off, they're probably sitting on my changeup. And I know it sounds kind of bad. But if I'm throwing 55 from 35 feet and you can follow my changeup straight back and my change is 15 miles per hour slower, there's no way you're sitting on my fastball. That's right. So now I know two things, what the hitter is looking for and what they think they can't hit. So she will never see a change again until she proves she can hit my fastball. Yeah, that's good logic, actually. Who are, who are your biggest role models? Oh, wow. I have way too many. Well, there's never too many, but um, Amanda and Kelly, for sure, they both spend so much time helping me on and off the field, and I'll never be able to thank them enough. Now, if we're just talking pitching, I spend a lot of time studying other pitchers online. I try to take things from my favorite pitchers, like Kelly's rise ball, Miranda Ellis's footwork and bounce finish, Lacey Waldrop's changeup, and Darren Zach's curve, and then I try to make them my own in some way. I really love talking about rise ball spin actives. I love that Kelly's is pretty much 12-6, and Rachel Garcia's is 10-4 on the clock, and Yukiku Ueno's is a total bullet, and the pros and cons of all three of them. Awesome. Um, I have some. I have many role models when I'm not pitching, and those are Amanda Lorenz and Courtney Gano slash Mandy Softball and CG8. They're both power hitters with ear-to-ear smiles, and they're both great players and great teammates. I just think of Amanda and Courtney and I smile and I'm so thankful that they're my friends and that they're always encouraging me. That's awesome. Actually, your dad sent me a picture of you and you and Courtney on the field. When was that from? Um, that was when I was in Chicago visiting Kelly. I threw out the first pitch at the Bandits game to Courtney. Courtney played at the University of Washington, Team USA, and plays for the Bandits. 
So while I was waiting to go out, I was chatting with the players in the dugout and we were all dancing together. Oh, wow. And Courtney, yeah, and Courtney really wanted me to teach her a routine I was doing. So we started dancing together and she caught my first pitch. That's awesome. We got along really well. Yeah, and she's so nice. So we got along really well. And the photographer took lots of pictures of us. So a few months ago, Courtney, who is now sponsored by Wilson, posted online about the Will the new Wilson A2000. Mm -hmm. I told her I don't have an A2000, but I have a picture of you hugging me with your A2000, and that's amazing. And she wrote me back, well, we better get you an A2000, so design one and send it to me. And I couldn't believe it because I I was just coming out to go pitch with my dad, and I was bringing my phone out, and then I just got a text from Courtney, and I was like screaming. I was so excited. Wow, that's awesome. so uh-huh. What uh, what did it look like? Well, um, I have black and gold on it for my Waterloo team, and then I have a Canadian flag and my name. Okay. I also wanted to put some of my idols on there, so it has CGA for Courtney Gano, KB11 for Kelly Barnhill, AS9 for Amanda Scarborough, mm-hmm. and AL18 for Amanda Lorenz. I also wanted to put Alex Wilcox, so I put teal on my gloves. Um, yeah, Alex played in Mississippi State, and she died of ovarian cancer two years ago. Oh, wow. And, yeah, um, Beth Torina, who is head coach at LSU, started a thing called Go Teal, but Go is spelled G-E-A-U-X. Okay. And it promotes community-based events that raise funds for ovarian cancer research. And this research is super important because the symptoms of ovarian cancer are like really common and they're just like common as same other things. Right. So a lot of women don't even know they have it until it's spread. So they're working on making some easier tests for it, but they've not been approved yet. Right. And it'd be so great if the money that GoTeal raised helped those tests get approved and in doctor's offices and hospitals. It may not cure cancer, but if you can find it earlier, you give yourself a better chance. That's right. Well, so I really want. Oh, go ahead. So I really wanted to make sure I had those five women on my gloves because every time I'm out there, they're out there with me. Because as hashtag memory of Alex said, no one fights alone. That's right, and it's good that we, you you touched on that because now we can uh, get the word out even more with with you being on the podcast and and even you know promote it you know online as well. So so that's great to get out. Um, well, like Abby, I guess this is uh. This has been great. You uh, do not sound like an eleven-year-old giving interviews. I gotta say that <laughs> that's uh, uh, you're ahead ahead in that department when it comes to social to media relations. So you, you got your uh, your head on there. Um, I'd like to thank you for sitting down and chatting with us. This has been great. I I didn't think I'd have the opportunity to interview an eleven-year-old for the podcast. So having you on has been absolutely fantastic. Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed having you interview me. And if you 12 Eastern Canadians are in Nova Scotia this year, I hope you'll come and watch. 100%. I will. You tell your dad to send me a text and I will 100% be there. Yay. Yes. All right, Abby. So uh, I wish you and your family a very happy holidays. Uh, Hopefully you get everything you want for Christmas. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. Happy holidays. All right. It's been fun talking. All right, kids. Time to get in bed. Santa's coming soon. Okay. Can you read a book? All right, just one story, all right?
we go.